Welcome, and thank you for joining us for Simple Truths, the podcast of Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. Today, we will dive into God's Word to seek simple truths for everyday life. Let's join Pastor Josh Dixon for today's Simple Truths. Turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20 in your scriptures this morning. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word this morning from Matthew chapter 20. We'll begin in verse 17 of this text. I'm going to read several verses here. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, if you'll just very carefully follow along with me. Chapter 20, the Gospel of Matthew, verse 17. And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, notice that, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Somebody ought to testify to that. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him, desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith, verse 23, unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on the left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Aren't you thankful for that? Verse 29, as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him, and behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude rebuked them, because they should hold their peace. But they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still, please notice that, and called them, and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them. And touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Thank you so much for standing in honor of the reading of God's word this morning. You may be seated. As we began uh, last week in praying and seeking the Lord for a powerful experience within our spring calendar, I hope that you have been carrying that cross. I hope that you've been mindful each and every day at some point of your day to pray and to seek the Lord and Ask for his presence. It reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, where Paul said, pray without ceasing. That's what we're going after, isn't it? 
We're seeking God for three things specifically. We're praying for souls to be saved. We're praying for spiritual increase. We're praying for preparation and logistics. We're praying for the details of everything that has to be done. And we are certainly asking and praying and seeking the presence of God. I'm praying that as we uh, draw closer to these Easter services, this becomes a pattern of our services. Our text today is a pivotal point within the focus of Jesus' journey. From here forward, things only intensified as they neared Jerusalem and that final destination of Golgotha. It's here that we, like the disciples, learn he is everything. I say that to you this morning. Jesus is everything, isn't he? He is our everything in this life. And I want to challenge us beginning this morning to remember who Christ is to each and every one of us. And I'm thankful that shows the the person of Christ, doesn't it? Because he wants and desires to draw near to each and every one of us in our situations. We're reminded in this transitional text that Jesus is our example. He's our example for life and he's our example for ministry. He speaks the rule. He practices the principle. And in this setting, he sets a pace for life and ministry. And I believe today that we find he is our example. First of all, he is our example in direction, if you're keeping notes, in direction. In all four of the Gospels, this directional shift of the text is identified as Jesus points their journey toward Jerusalem. If you're keeping notes, in the the Gospel of Mark, it says, in the way, going up to Jerusalem. In Luke, it says, behold, Jesus actually says this, behold, we go up to Jerusalem. In the Gospel of John, it says, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. This point, this shift of the journey or ministry of Christ is identified in all four of the Gospels. Now, I want you to notice in the direction of Christ, the specific way that is mentioned. The way is very important to us as followers of Jesus. Would you say amen to that? Jesus signified that in John 14 when he told us that he is the way to God the Father. Direction is found by getting in the way. In verse 17, it says this of our text, and Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart, notice this, in the way. The full circle of the scripture is seen in the need to go to Jerusalem. It was time to observe the Passover. Now the disciples were lacking comprehension that the spotless lamb for the final offering was leading them to Jerusalem. They did not see all of the pieces until later in the story. The direction that each of us need within life is so easily found, isn't it? In the way of Jesus. I ask you this morning, which way are you going? Which direction are you traveling in life? Some of us, if we were to be honest, we would have to say, we would have to answer that question, we're going our own way. We're seeking our own direction. We don't want anyone We don't even want Jesus telling us which way we should go. We're going our own way. Some of us this morning are seeking the way, aren't we? We're looking for the proper and the right way. We're looking for a godly step in our life. Like the disciples, you have have many choices here. They had learned at this juncture of their discipleship 
that they needed to follow Jesus when he set up a specific direction, when he went a specific way. They had learned at this point, at this juncture, to just follow him in step. Oh, where would some of us be this morning if we would learn to follow him in step? When you're in the way, notice with Jesus here, you don't have to have all of the answers. Aren't you thankful for that? Some of us have not decided to follow Jesus this morning because we're still seeking some answers and some question marks in our mind or in our heart. We don't have all of the pieces, and that makes some of us anxious this morning when we need to realize we just simply need to trust Jesus for the answers. In verse 18 of our text, if you'll glance at it, in chapter 20, verse 18, simply Jesus is giving them, he's giving them the pieces to the puzzle that they did not have mentally or spiritually. He says in verse 18, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, to crucify him. And the third day, remember this, the third day he shall rise again. He gives them all of the answers that they did not previously have. You don't have to have all of the pieces or all of the answers you just need to simply trust Jesus that he has them. He enlightens them on what was going to happen. He withholds no detail. And please notify that at the end of those two verses, he tells them, on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He was doing it for them. Why would he not do that for us? Why would he not give us the stepping stones for our life so that we can follow him in his specific way? When you're following Jesus in the way, you need not to be afraid. Mark says in this text, this, this transitional text, Mark tells us that they were amazed as they followed him. He specifically says, Mark says that they were afraid. Now that's interesting, isn't it? Why would they be afraid as they had done many times just going in the direction up to Jerusalem? Why would they be amazed or anxious or even afraid about the journey going to Jerusalem for the Passover? I'll answer the question. They were amazed. They were anxious because of his determination. When he set his face to go to Jerusalem, it was unlike any other direction he had made or taken in his ministry. Please say amen to that. Something was different, and they noticed the difference. Mark tells us, and I love this piece, Mark tells us that they were amazed as he headed toward Jerusalem. I want to tell some of us this morning that are a little bit anxious about the way of Jesus. Some of us are afraid to take a step of faith this morning. I want to remind you that Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He knows the perfect way for your life. Someone this morning in this service or through our live stream, you're not yet saved. You have not yet trusted Jesus as your personal Savior. And you likely know, some of you have been visiting for a few weeks. You likely know what you need to do. You need to seek and trust him in faith today, personally speaking, but you're just a little bit anxious. You need not be afraid. You need to trust Jesus. Isaiah 41, verse 10, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Aren't you thankful for that? That's a promise. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 
You need not be afraid. Then I would remind some of us this morning, as we seek the way, the way of Jesus this morning, direction for our life, that the cross should always be on our mind. They didn't understand at the time the context of all of this. But there would be a day when they would find strength in the defeat of death, the cross. John 2, tells us, when therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered, key word, that he had said this unto them, and that they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Pastor Josh, why do you bring that to light this morning? Because the gospel of John chapter 2, verse 22, tells or teaches us that they remembered these these shifting points of the journey or ministry of Christ. They looked back when he was risen, when he fulfilled the promise of rising again the third day, they remembered what he had said in moments like Matthew chapter 20, verses 18 and 19. We must keep the cross on the forefront of our mind and our heart. If you're a believer this morning, you ought to say amen to that. The cross is the climax of his earthly purpose. It's the crux of our faith. He is the example of the right direction for our life. Please notice that he is the example number two in discipleship. I would say to you this morning, according to this text in verse 20 and 21, don't become a roadblock to the way of discipleship. Without missing a beat, James and John become a distraction to discipleship. They become a distraction to the ministry of Christ. I don't know about you this morning, but I don't want to be a distraction. Everything that we do in this place, everything that we do in our life is for his glory and for the ministry to be furthered. James and John step right in the way. They are a total distraction to the ministry and what is taking place here. Jesus literally tells them in two verses as they head toward Jerusalem, as they are literally going toward Golgotha, he tells them what he is about to endure for their sin. And in the next verse, verse 20 and verse 21, they become a complete distraction. Notice that they were distracted with themselves. Verse 21 says, the one on the right hand. Could we sit on the right hand and the other on the left? And then they even answer in verse 22. He says, Jesus answered in verse 22. He says, you know not what you ask. Fellas, you have no idea what you are even seeking. And then he asks them, are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of? (laughs) Are you you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And notice what they say in verse 22. Without even realizing the answer of what they are are saying, they say, yeah, we're able. They were distracted by themselves. They were so into themselves, they didn't know what they were even being asked. And they simply answered, yes, we are able. Some of us could be distracted with family. Notice who prompts the question. Old mama bear. Huh? Yeah. They were distracted with mama's desire for those those two boys. And let me remind you, they weren't boys anymore. They were distracted with their mother's own request. She wanted special treatment for her sons. Can you imagine as she went about the villages? Oh, you, you do know who my sons are, right? 
Yeah, James and John. Well, some call them the sons of thunder. They're prompted by distraction by their own family. She wanted special treatment for these boys, and the boys fell right into it. Some of us are distracted this morning by others. Notice the other ten. And I like how Matthew says that. The other ten. It says that they were moved with indignation. It means anger, annoyance, provoked by what is perceived as unfair treatment. And verse 24 says that they were moved against the two brethren. They were moved with indignation against James and John. Notice when we are distracted from the way, the way of Christ, the way of Jesus, that we're causing more disturbance than, than just for ourselves. It wasn't just the two of those boys. It wasn't just mom that was creating a distraction to the ministry of Christ. Now it was, were the other 10. It, were, it was all of them together. Jesus just literally told them that they're going to, to Jerusalem. He's going to the cross for the sin of mankind. And they ask, could we sit on your right and left? And the other 10 are ready to pommel them, completely distracted in their flesh. True discipleship will always point or show the way. Verse 28 of our text, if you'll notice it, verse 28 says, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. This verse teaches or shows the doctrine of substitutionary atonement, Christ taking our place. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? I mean this, that when he tells them in verse 18 and 19 that he's going to Jerusalem to be crucified, that he's going to be scourged, that he's going to be mocked, that he's going to lay down his life, he's telling the disciples that he's going to do that for them. But it goes further than that, doesn't it? He's telling us this morning that he's going in our place to the cross. Somebody ought to say amen. He's telling us, teaching us, reminding us that he's our ransom. That refers to the price paid for the deliverance of our sin. And you do know this morning, right, that that's the common denominator of all of us. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior, and his name is Jesus. True discipleship will always point to what has allowed us to be a disciple. True discipleship will always point to Jesus. I'm saying, reminding us this morning that our life, our testimony should point to Jesus. Jesus tells James and John earlier in the text in verse 22, you know not what you ask. We just referenced this. Are you able to drink of the cup? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism? He says in verse 22, our discipleship, our life of obedience is going to cost us something, isn't it? It won't always be easy. He's talking to them about true discipleship. Are you willing to follow me no matter what? That's what he's saying, isn't it? And without even knowing, going totally over their head and under their feet, they say, yeah, we're, yeah, uh, yeah, we're able. Well, I'll tell you this. Anyway, Jesus, we're more able than Peter is. Just saying. Discipleship will always cost you something. The cup and the baptism that he speaks of refer to his suffering and his death. They didn't fully understand, but as Jesus prophesied, they would. James was the first apostle, according to Acts 12, 1 and 2, to be martyred. 
At some point, he did get it. He was willing to live a life of obedience. Christ did not rebuke them in this text. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? We've all said something in our life, in our faith, in our testimony that we didn't fully understand. He simply echoed Luke chapter 9, verse 23, and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I love the fact that he did not rebuke them. He could have. He probably should have, but he didn't. He moved on to further teaching, really and honestly, in-depth teaching. 27 and 28, where he talks about the ransom and the substitutionary atonement. He is our example, isn't he? Our example of discipleship. Number three, he's our example in diligence. The very next segment of the text that we read this morning gives us full application to the lesson previously taught by our Lord. You might think in the reading here from 17 to 28, and then you kind of shift gears to 29, it's an abrupt shift. It kind of turns the page, if you will. In my Bible, literally, it turns the page. You might even wonder or think, does that really even go together? Did that happen in chronological order? It does if you study the Gospels. He's teaching, he's portraying, he's giving us full example here of what he just taught the disciples. He's diligent in his work. I want to remind you of that truth today. He is diligent. He is diligent in the work of our hearts and our minds. Notice his diligence, his persistence as they make their way. First of all, the opportunities of the way. Verse 30 of the text says, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. Jesus gives us the example of caring for those that were forgotten by the rest of society. And I want to challenge you this morning to look for godly opportunities. Look for them in the way. As you travel about your normal activity and your normal schedule, open your eyes to godly opportunity. That's certainly what is taking place in this text in the turning of the page, if you will. Jesus gives us the example of caring for those that were forgotten. Society didn't care anything about those two blind men that were sitting along the way. And I've often wondered this, how long had they sat there? As we find in other texts, was that a normal spot for them? Is that where they went to do their daily begging, to try to put enough together to to live and sustain them for another day? I say to you this morning that the world will rebuke you. Looking for opportunity and seizing godly opportunity, the world will, will rebuke you. That's not easy to say. Society cared nothing about those two men. Society did not see the need for Jesus to stop. But the text tells us that he did stop. The world will not only rebuke us, the enemy will try to hush the cry of the need and opportunity. The text tells us that the, the crowd that was traveling with him tried to hush the blind men. Does anyone see that in the text? Hey, would you guys, would you guys keep it down over here? Do you know who we're traveling with? <laughs> we're traveling with Jesus. And we'd appreciate it if you guys would spiritually hush so that we could make our way to Jerusalem because he's going to do something pretty cool up there in Jerusalem. We're going to be a part of it. The world will rebuke you. The enemy will try to hush the opportunity. But there are opportunities only achievable by the believer all over the place. Please testify to that. There's godly opportunities all over. 
What opportunity is the diligence of, of Christ calling you to today? Some of you have opportunity in your life to minister to someone else. I've had countless of you tell me that, hey, Pastor Josh, pray for me. I'm going to take this very flyer and give it to my friend. I'm taking this one and give it to my, my family. They're, they're not believers, but they say they're going to come to Easter services. And so here we go. Pray for me as I deliver this one. That's godly opportunity, isn't it? Some of you, the Lord is being diligent in your life, working and stirring within your heart and mind this morning. He's working and stirring diligent about a decision that you need to make. Again, some of you are not saved and you need to be saved. Time is of the essence on that decision. You're not promised tomorrow. Open your eyes and look around. The world is in turmoil. We're heading to the end, to the last days. I do not believe it's going to be long till the trumpet sounds and he calls us home. Listen, if I were here this morning and I had, if I had doubt in my heart and in my life, if, if I wasn't for sure that I was saved, I'd do whatever it took to make sure that I was prepared. God is diligent. You know that if, if that is you, because he's so diligent and faithful, pointing his holy finger on your need. Will you be diligent? What opportunity is, is diligence, the diligence of Christ calling you today? Some of you, you've been saved, but you've not been baptized. It's your first step of obedience. Some of you have been visiting BBC for several weeks, maybe months, and you've not yet joined. It's difficult for you to be involved in regular service and activity. You need to join. You need to be a part of the body and unified. What is he calling you today in the way of diligence? And then I want you to notice in verse 32, and I'll be finished. Verse 32 says, and Jesus stood still and called them and said, what will ye that I shall do unto you? Notice that he stopped. We've talked much this morning about the way and traveling the way, and he being our example in the way. But notice that it says he stopped in verse 32. He was interested, wasn't he, in personal interaction with these two blind men. Everything else in the text has the motion of traveling the way until he recognized the need to stop. Some of us need to stop today and act on something. In the text, if you look at verse 32 of chapter 20, it says, And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? They say unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And I would certainly point out in, earlier in this little section of the text that they called unto him, Thou son of David. They said that twice. They knew exactly who he was. They had faith in him. Remember that they were blind. So they were keen on listening for his voice. When they recognized him walking and talking and sharing with this group of people, his disciples and others that had, that had gathered along, as he is talking about true discipleship in this text, they heard his voice, listen, and they responded. Jesus recognized it. On his way to the cross, he stopped long enough to deal with two blind men that society had forgotten and could care less about. I ask you this morning, what is it that you need to partake of in the example of Christ? Maybe it's a decision, a spiritual decision. Maybe it's an opportunity that you need to accept and partake of. 
Maybe it's this whole thing at the end of the text that Jesus recognized something and he stopped to act on it. Many of us are so busy about moving forward, and I'm guilty of that from time to time. We're so guilty of moving forward and pushing through that we miss some opportunities. We're not willing to stop and wait on the Lord. These next few weeks as we lead up in the Gospel of Matthew to Resurrection Sunday, notice with me that he is our everything. Thank you for joining us today for Simple Truths. If you would like to accept Christ as your Savior, or if you have questions, please give us a call at 937-383-1122, or check us out on the web at bbcwilmington.org. Simple Truths is a podcast sponsored by Bible Baptist Church of Wilmington, Ohio. We hope you have a great day, and may God bless you.